Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Great to be here. It is awesome to be here. Great to be here. So welcome, everybody, to Christians with Torah, if this is your first time here. First off, thanks for being here. I'm so excited that you have discovered uh, the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, that you've discovered the Torah, or that you're even like dabbling and just looking, casually interested. You've come to the right place. I think that uh, one of the cool things is that we believe in the basic Christian doctrines, right? And we believe right. that the Bible is relevant from Genesis to maps to That's believers good. today. It's very good. Very basic, very simple understanding. Why don't we just read what it says and do it? And so for the last four years, if you've been keeping up with us, We've done the Torah portions. So if you really want to get into the meat of Torah, we've got four years of doing the Torah portions, week in and week out. So that means that every section of the scriptures in the Torah, you can go back and you can find four episodes on each portion of scripture. That's a good library. It is a good library. Got a little racked up there. It's good. And so this year we've been doing the Gospel of Matthew. And boy, let me tell you, I thought the Torah was tough, you know? Listen, nobody's got anything on Jesus. Jesus, no, he's a king. Man, he is he's exact. the king. He That's is, what Matthew's all about. He's, he's a king. The king. And so now we are in Matthew chapter nineteen. We're going to do verses one through twelve, and it starts out with Yeshua heals. Go ahead. Why don't you check it out? Oh, you mean to read verses one and yeah. two? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So it says, "Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan." And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and That's saying it, just to him, "Just two verses, right?" Oh, sorry. Yeah, we got two subjects excited. here. We got two subjects here: excited. healing and yeah. divorce. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Two subject matters. I'm so excited about that. Healing and divorce. Well, marriage is thrown in there as well. You want to go ahead and hit those yeah. two questions? So, where did Yeshua go after he departed from Galilee? He came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. Mm, okay. So he had left the Galilee, and he goes down south to beyond Judea Jordan. beyond the Jordan. Into the coast of Judea. What oh, is that all about? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. The so coasts? Who, so who followed Yeshua, and what did he do? Great multitudes, and he healed them. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of... It's interesting to try to figure out where he actually went, you know? Yeah, that, that is interesting. He's in the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. So that makes you feel like he's on the other side of the Jordan. Yeah, like something like that. In the country of modern-day Jordan, right? I know. <laughs> I don't know. i got to go to AAA. <laughs> okay. Get a map. So discuss how Yeshua had the power and ability to heal people. We'll see if you can come up with any verses, because I'm going to make a statement here, and I need to back it up, and I don't have any verses. Well, let's hear what you got. Okay, he was God in the flesh. Yes. So he could do that. All right. And the prophets foretold that the Messiah to come would heal. What's the one in Isaiah? So it's I, really good about giving sight to the blind. I've got this one. i got Colossians. The lame shall leap. Colossians 2, the, 9. No, I mean, what about the prophets? 
Um, meaning that he is God. You can you read that. Yeah, well, I just want to read because you said he's God. So. Oh, that's that's true. Okay, go ahead. Right. So beware, this is 8 and 9, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So you'll hear people say like, well, but Jesus talks to the Father, you and the Father talks to him. Colossians what? Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But then number 9 okay. says, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Wow. That's a good one for God in the flesh. And then it says in verse 10, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So so he clearly has the power. So if that's what you wanted for your statement was a backup of, you know, the fact that he that's good. absolutely can. Um, if you wanted something from Isaiah, I'm going to guess this is somewhere in Isaiah in the early 40s, right? Isn't it something about healing the lame? And well, yeah, that the lame walk and the you know yeah, where, where everything with the dead are raised. I don't know. It's in there. We should find it. It was in uh, we've because we've gone over that verse several times in the last few weeks. So mm -mm -mm. I can I can ask Rabbi Schmugel. Yeah, I, I'm looking for that. Yeah. Walk. Um, the blind shall see, the lame shall walk. Let's go for chapter 35, 5, and 6. You were right to keep going back. What is it? 35, verses 5 and 6. Very good. Yeah. Very good. It says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Wow. You know, these verses are quoted in that song, um, The Mighty One of Israel. He'll come and save you. Wow. You know, The Mighty One of Israel. Right. The lame man shall jump and leap as a heart. The tongue of the dumb shall sing. He's the mighty one of Israel. See, Mighty one of Israel. Just get excited. Ooh. It says right here in Isaiah. Whew. I need to write that down. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and then that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's good. It kind of sounds like Isaiah 61 a little bit. Because, you know, Isaiah 61 says... You got it? Yeah, it's uh, about the Spirit of the Lord being upon him yeah. to do things. Because the Lord has anointed me yeah. to preach good tidings to the poor. Wow. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. <sighs> Pretty good. Look at that. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Wow. Look at that. That's good stuff. All right. I bet they didn't see it happen in the way that it's happening now, you know, but they thought they were going to get like some conquered group. It's you interesting. Know? It is. All right, let's check out the, uh, we're going to jump into divorce here. It's not pretty. 
No, this is not pretty. Yeah, it's a setup here, but let me go ahead and read verses 3 through 9. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder, or separate. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Only her that was put away for a reason other than We'll have to talk about that. It's all fornication. All right. Let's hit it. All right, so the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, It is lawful is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? So I got my notes here. It says, John the Baptist was put in prison and killed, at least in part, for his public rebuke of Herod's marriage and divorce. So the Pharisees hoped to trap Yeshua, too. They were trying to trick Yeshua by having him choose sides in a theological controversy. Interesting. Two schools of thought represented two opposing views of divorce. One group supported divorce for almost any reason. This was the sin the prophet Malachi had preached against in Malachi 2, 10-17. The other group believed that divorce could be allowed only for marital unfaithfulness. This conflict hinged on how each group interpreted Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1-4. through 4. Interesting. Yeah. So we're looking at this concept of divorce. And so what, is he, what does he actually say, Ryan? In Matthew nineteen four through 6. It says, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that which made them by, uh, made them at the beginning, made them male and female? And said, for, those, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Wow, we're going to, we're going to dive into this. And what because, an interesting answer. But here's the question, but who though. would have thought about that? I just really, it just dawned on me. I just threw the question of divorce out there. But they're actually asking, you know, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Right, for any reason. For any reason. Yeah. So he's going to set the stage, Ryan. And now I'm starting to get the, we'll get the commentary at the end. We'll talk about it at the very end. Right. This particular question, and we'll answer it. According okay. to what Yeshua was trying to say. Okay. Okay. But, but go ahead and develop it now as, as we as we look at it. Well, then. I just think this answer is. I mean, this guy was so smart. I mean, he's so quick on his feet. These guys bring stuff to him, and like like this is, reminds me of. of and these the, are religious people. Of the tax thing. These aren't unbelievers. I know. I know. <laughs> this reminds me of the tax thing where they they come to him right, and he says, "Let you know whose face is on the coin." Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, oh, oh. I mean, who would have thought to ask that question? You know, yeah. only Jesus." So what's his question, or what's his statement here? You know, going back to that particular incident, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? But give to God what is God's. That's right. So there is a government there that you got to give to, but yeah. you make sure you give to God what is God's. That's right. And it can usurp the image on that coin. That uh, exactly. So here he's saying, 
that God made man and woman, yeah. two different things, right? Right. And then he says that when they come together, they become one flesh, because that's what it says, right? That's what it says in Genesis. They become one flesh. Yeah. Echad. So then he says, what God has joined, let no man put asunder. Or separate. What? Well, put asunder, separate. Same yeah. Thing. Put asunder. So, wow. How does he come up with this stuff? <laughs> you know, maybe because he was there. Maybe because he's the one. It's kind of like, and we're going to delve, delve into this some more. Like, you know, what is God's intent? Yeah, exactly. So it says God is the one who created the institution of marriage between man and woman, right? And where's that at? In Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 28, and chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. I'm just here to help you out. You just I appreciate like, that. kind of jump right out like, like the Malachi verse. And I the do. Last. I'm like a bull unaccustomed to the yeah. yoke. Ooh, I, I need some, need some addresses here. Come on. For it. How many so, times did I click that button on a podcast, right, to go back to the verse? What did that guy say? Yeah. What was that verse? What was step one? Yeah. Okay, a little 30-minute thing. You can hit it. Yeah. Takes you back 30, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't do that. So so, so God <laughs> didn't create the marriage to be between the same sex. You know sex. what I did that for? I did that. I was listening to Yeshai Fleischer's podcast, and he mentioned pickles, some place you can order pickles. It's called, I think, Prohibition Pickle. And I think they're Israeli, like, gourmet pickles or something like that. I know that sounds funny, but that's that's what I rewinded for. <laughs> well, that's worth it. <laughs> so marriage is not between two two females. What? Or two males. A Wait marriage. a second. I'm sorry. Did Jesus say that in the beginning he made them male and female? The institution of the marriage. And then he said, For this cause the man will leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. And the two become one flesh, and therefore the two are no more two, but they're one. Right. My brain, I can't handle it. Jesus is solving all the world's problems today. He sure is. We don't, even the, the liberal pastors and people, I mean, like, how do you, I mean, they're like, Jesus never addresses Well, he this. couldn't be a Supreme Court justice today because he would fall in the. Well, he is the Supreme the Judge. Cons- yeah, the conservative camp. So let no man put asunder means let no man separate. And so it was God's intention that marriage would last and not end in divorce. So we'd have to keep it rolling, you know. It's uh, it's not, what do they say, until death do us part? Marry to bury. Marry to bury. Yeah. Which is funny because Deanna is married to Barry. Because <laughs> her husband's name is Barry. Dan and Barry. I don't think they listen, but that's all right. You can just we'll let them know. We'll just say, "Hey, you were them. you were on the podcast. You were mentioned on the podcast. Yeah. Now you got to listen to it because <laughs> you're married." It's to at Barry. the fourteen minute mark. <laughs> so they say unto him, "Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away?" They think they've got him, right? Don't you think? If I'm, he's if, like, "No, man. God brought these together. They're one. They should right. stay together." We ran out of popcorn. Boom. We paused the movie. Yep. It pauses. That we, uh, you're thinking in your head, oh, wow, that was, that was a good question. They got him. Like, how's he going to answer this one? But you he know? says, hey, but Moses did this. So Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Yeah. So this is interesting. So before the law, there was no divorce. It makes me wonder, right? I mean, this is a, an existential Torah question here. It's, that's probably true. Yeah. It probably is true. Can you think of an example of divorce prior to Sinai? Nope. 
<laughs> I can't think of one. If you got one, put one in the comments for us. But I don't think there is one. But um, put it in the comments because we would be interested to find out if somebody wants to read that first bullet point and, the then I'll, and I'll read the verses. All right. So the law is found in Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4 because of Moses' law. A man could no longer just throw his wife out. He had to write a formal letter of dismissal. This was a radical step towards civil rights, for it made men think twice about divorce. So let's say, let's see what it says here in Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, right? So he found an uncleanness A matter in her. of nakedness. Um, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement, and giveth it in her hand, and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife, after that she is defiled. For that is abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Mm. So basically, he has to give her a bill of divorcement. But it's not, it's, it's for anything. He has to write it up. Yeah. He finds fault with her. Well, she has a certificate now that she can take and prove that she has been divorced. Right. It's a bill of divorce. So, because you got to think that a first marriage of somebody they're expecting this woman to be a virgin, right? But now that she's divorced, she has to have that certificate in order right. to have proof. Right. Because otherwise, she could be put, um, she could be liable for not being a virgin when she marries somebody. Like, say she has to deceive someone, right, to get married again. Right. Or, or whatever. But once again, this is not for fornication or unfaithfulness. Well, it does say that he found some uncleanness in her. Some uncleanness in her. So this could be an idiom. You know, in the Hebrew, referring to that, and this is a why. matter of nakedness. So this is the letter of the law versus the spirit of the I'd law. I'd have to really look into that more. So if you're a Pharisee and you're looking at the letter of the law, you're saying, "See, it doesn't say adultery. It doesn't use that word, right?" But it was probably commonly understood at the time Moses wrote it that this uncleanness, like afflict your souls, for tabernacles, not for tabernacles, for uh, Yom Kippur is interpreted as fasting. But some people say, oh, it's just as afflict your soul. Well, yeah, but like I said, there is, a, there is a bill of divorcement given, so that's... Absolutely. That's definitely the Torah. So the so, hardness of hearts should not be understood to mean only... Uh, mean that only hard-hearted people would ever initiate a divorce. Rather, it means because there was hard-hearted rebellion against God among you, leading to serious defilement of marriages. Wow. So... You'd, it's funny that this is that you wrote this in here in the notes because I was not thinking this. I did not. I thought no. It's because people get divorced because their heart has been hardened toward the other person, whether because of unfaithfulness right, or premise. some other reason. It's the whole premise. I mean, you know, think about the difficult times you have with your wife, but you get through it. No, my wife and I have the perfect marriage. We never fight. Well, I know, but I'm just saying. Awesome. I'm just saying all that, the time. Roses. No, I, I can say honestly <laughs> that in a marriage. You're going to have a crisis. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to you're going to hit a brick wall, or oh, yeah. something's going to happen to set you off, and you're going to be stuck. Mm. 
and you're gonna be like you know maybe we should we should uh you know maybe we need a break maybe we need to separate maybe i need to go sleep on the couch maybe i don't know but that's it you know i've had enough I'm, I'm, this is my season blah 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 but now when i look back on it i'm like boy i'm glad i got through that yeah, because absolutely. i feel better today oh yeah much better than yeah. to act you know in a careless way yeah yeah, no. no dumb decisions in both of our cases would be divorcing our wives. Those would be very stupid decisions. Well, it's just it's we just would that, look back on those decisions with you regret. know frustration could lead to all kinds of things. But oh yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife and I we never we never use the D word. No. It's like the C word, the C word and the D word. Yeah, the C word is cancer. Oh, the D word is divorce. I was I didn't know but, what C word was. I had like three in my head. But but look what happens here. It says here Matthew nineteen nine, and I say unto you. Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, the word fornication, it's in the Greek, it's number 4202, is the Greek word pornea, it's where we get porno, pornography. And it means harlotry, including adultery and incest, figuratively idolatry. Fornication is one of the 17 works of the flesh found in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. So I want to stop right there. I want to just share a thought here, something very interesting. Okay. In this particular situation, uh, I want to read out of the, uh, actually, this is my uh, keyword study Bible, Hebrew, Greek, keyword study Bible, this particular commentary on this subject matter, because he's just addressing it. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except the beef for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. So, Let's keep it in context because this is very interesting. It is assumed many times when these and similar verses, actually Matthew 5, 32, Luke 16, 18, are read that the one who is divorced should not remarry. However, in the situations that Jesus dealt with, the person that was put away was innocent. Jesus was addressing the issue here of a spouse divorcing a mate with the mere excuse that the desire to be married to that particular person was gone. The only just cause for divorce is fornication. Consequently, anyone who was unjustly divorced acquired the false stigma that they were guilty of moral misconduct. Ah, gotcha. For this reason... The Lord insisted that the Old Testament provision of Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4, be adhered to. The person that unjustly dismisses an innocent mate ought to clear them of guilt by providing them with a bill of divorcement. In the case that the dismissed spouse was guilty of fornication, the Mosaic law required that he or she be stoned. <laughs> Deuteronomy 22, 21. Yeah, no doubt. Making a bill of divorcement unnecessary. Divorce papers issued by a judge in today's society should not be equated with the Old Testament bill of divorcement. Ah, interesting. A careful reading of two passages in the Old Testament will reveal how the Lord determined who was the guilty party. Of course, in Numbers chapter 5 and Deuteronomy 22, the Lord concerns himself only with the innocent party and not with the one who is merely able to secure a legal divorce. It is important to remember that Jesus never forbade the innocent party to remarry. In fact, Jesus accepted that this person might remarry because he stated in Matthew 5.32 that the spouse who initiated the divorce causes the innocent one to commit idolatry, i.e. when they marry someone else. Got it. Wow. That's a lot to take in, ain't it? It is. Because there's only one unpardonable sin. 
blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Right. So we can't take anything out of context. No, even if you did something that got you stoned, you could still be saved, right? I mean, that's... So in a commentary found in the English Standard Version Study Bible, it says, in regard to Mary, another implies that the second marriage, though it begins with adultery, is still a marriage. Once a second marriage has occurred, it would be further sin to break it up. Mm. The second marriage should not be thought of as continually living in adultery, for the man and woman are now married to each other, not to anyone else. So, divorce... That's definitely one way to interpret That's right. <laughs> divorce, it must be remembered, is permitted but not required in the case of sexual immorality. Since God's intention is that marriage should be for life, this provides good reason to make every reasonable effort to achieve restoration and forgiveness in marriage before taking steps to dissolve a marriage through divorce. This is found in the English Standard Version Study Bible. Wow. See... To make every reasonable effort to achieve restoration and forgiveness in marriage before taking steps to dissolve a marriage through divorce. So let's look at this. I'm going to finish up these last two, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Ryan. God divorced Israel, but not Judah. In Jeremiah 3.8, it says, And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Mm. It's just a point to be made, okay? Um, so the good news is this, and then I want Ryan to fill in on some of this commentary as well. The, the good news is this, though. So how can we get around this then? If the house of Israel committed adultery, God can't remarry us. What has to happen? Check it out. God restored the marriage through the death and resurrection of his son, Yeshua. In Romans chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, it says... For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. Verse 3 of Romans 7. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be remarried to another man. So when God died in the flesh and was resurrected, the marriage was reinstituted because of the death of the, of the spouse, of the husband. That's powerful. So I believe... That's a technicality. Imagine that. Oh, I don't think We couldn't just die and come back to life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know... I was she... once talking to a Muslim friend of mine, and he was like, but like, what's the big deal? If he's God, of course he can bring himself back to life. And I was like, that's one way to think about it. I was thinking all this time, it's a big deal. <laughs> He's like, but he's God, so of course he can bring himself back to life. I know. <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? Wow. So, um, so, so a couple things here. Uh, Jesus, I believe, Yeshua, is the one at Sinai that gives the Torah and that is the one that marries the people. I believe it's Yeshua, and I believe that for several different reasons. I'm not going to get too far into that. I think a lot of people have heard that before. Um, I mean, think about it. He, he ate with the 70 elders, right? So it's it's obviously Yeshua at this point. Now, he married the children of Israel at Sinai, and then he divorces Israel, the northern kingdom, as you showed in Jeremiah 3, 8. And I believe it's in Isaiah 2, right? I think that's the only place that I found the divorce. But There's could, another place that mentions the divorce of the northern kingdom. There could be something. It is. Um, but then they're widowed and released at Calvary. So this is what you just wrote or read in uh, Romans 7 describes how the, we are released 
from the previous marriage because of the death of Yeshua. So he dies. So everyone that's married at Sinai is now widowed at Calvary, right? But there's good news. Do you know what the good news is? You're only widowed for three days. That's it. Three days. That's right. And then he raises from the dead. And now we're betrothed. Just as Paul says that we become betrothed to one husband. He's espoused us to one husband, right? Presenting us as a chaste virgin, you know? I mean... Well, that's a technicality. We got off on a technicality. I like that. I, I mean, because how else are you going to do it? I don't think I got out on a technicality. So it's, it's loose. It's, 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 we're loosed from the charges of adultery. We're no longer bound by we're that. We're no longer bound by the previous the husband marriage died. at all. The husband right. died. Everything that has but to do with the But then when he was resurrected, he can take us back. Well, it's, it's, that's really good. It's a new, right? It's fresh. That's deep. I got to really go into it more because that's like a really, really deep thing. It's super it deep. It says you can't take her back because it would be an abomination. Exactly right. So there has to be a death. Correct. Wow. Well, let's look into, uh, let's look at singleness versus marriage in Matthew chapter 19, verses 10 through 12. And I'll read those few little verses there. His disciples say unto him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive the saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Wow. So what do you got to say about all that? I don't know. I'm a little bit in shock right now at the idea that Yeshua might have been okay with somebody unicizing themselves. Well, let's look into that. What is all about? <laughs> so, all right. So his disciples say unto him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, is it not good to marry? So after hearing Yeshua uh, nullify most currently popular grounds for divorce, the disciples overreact and say, it is not good to marry, than to run the risk of a lifelong unhappy marriage. But see, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. So then... Yeah. So here's the deal. I, I get it now. I get it why. Because he immediately brings up eunuchs. Because he's like, if you're not going to get married, <laughs> then you obviously need to be a eunuch because you're not going to be able to, to make it. Read that verses 11 and 12 again. That's good. All right. So, but he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. I agree with that. Let have ears to hear, right? For there are some eunuchs which were born so, which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Things I have never thought about doing for the Lord is becoming a eunuch. I've never said, Lord, let me become well, a eunuch. Well, you know, just the concept, I mean, there's a physical attribute. We'll talk about that. You're going to do that. But I'm saying that it's actually a, 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 a title or a position that you take. Yeah. I'm a eunuch. I'm not going to marry. But if you're, that, that, that has to be a male. Okay, we're going to get into what a eunuch is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> it's, though. It's not just saying you're not going to marry. But how are you born a eunuch? Well, some people are born a eunuch. Some people are born, you know, well, with... with malformed, you know, genitalia. So Yeshua states that not everyone is called to marriage. And so the word eunuchs is the Greek word eunokos, and it means a castrated person, by extension an impotent or unmarried man, 
Also, by extension, an impotent or unmarried man, by implication, a chamberlain or a state officer. So a lot of the people they kept around kings and that protected the harems and right. stuff like that so that they would stay away from his women right. were eunuchs. And so, and so a eunuch is an emasculated male, a man with no testicles. Yeshua's point here is that some people have physical limitations that prevent marrying, while others choose not to marry because in their particular situation they can serve God better as a single person, as single people. Yeah. So the Apostle Paul states in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, and 9, I say therefore to be unmarried and widows, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. I like that. Wow. The Apostle Paul gets me, man. You know, I just... So there's a place for everyone. There's Some are called to singleness. Jeremiah. Right. He was called to singleness. Uh, there's, I guess, in Ezekiel, his wife passed away. He said, don't mourn for her. It's kind of a weird situation. But uh, Ezekiel's wife died. Um, so he was a widower. Um, don't know if he remarried. But um, the Apostle Paul seems to be single. Yeah, and you had, you had mentioned earlier that there may be something about Pharisees that were supposed to be married, if they're a Pharisee. If somebody's got comments, if you could leave those in the comments on the YouTube channel or on Facebook. Or maybe it's the priesthood that has to be married. Or send me an email at ryan at To be a priest, you have to be married, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I, don't, I'm, I have to look into that. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good... That's a good Study. Judaism question. Yeah. Something we could ask somebody like Eddie Chumney. Did Chumney. you have to be married like, to be a Pharisee? Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I mean, in in the whole the whole thing here is that the Lord is looking for good relationships, right? So I, I think the big point here is to love the one you're with. Isn't that a song? What's that? Love the one you're with. I don't know. <laughs> love the one you're with. Isn't that if something? You can't have the one you love. Ah, uh, so don't want to do that one. <laughs> see, yeah, that's the Rolling you what Stones, I, know. I think. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. If you can't love the one you if love, you can't have the one you love. Yeah, then love the one you love. With. The one you're with. Interesting. Yeah, I see. I mean, that's like Jacob to Rachel and Leah, or whatever you know, or something. Mm, but he got he both loved, of them. He loved Rachel, but didn't love Leah as much. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like that. Yeah, that's a tough road. All right, so Pastor Nick. What two points can be learned from Well, I didn't write them down, but they're up in my head. Verses 1 through 12. We'll go to here. I would say this. Number one, God defines a marriage between a man and a woman. That's number one. God defines a marriage or the marriage institution or the institution of marriage is between a man and a woman by God in Genesis. Thank you. That's point number one. Yeah. Point number two is God divorced his children. But he remarried them through his son, Yeshua. That's right. Through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's my point number two. So point number one, God defines marriage as between a man and a woman. Point number two, God divorced us because we were guilty of adultery, but we were remarried through his son, Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection. I'm done. That's good. So um, my first one would be don't get divorced. The grass is greener where you water it. Right? <laughs> where somebody spreads the manure. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. The grass is always greener near the side because that's where the septic tank is. <laughs> it's where the, the drain field. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. What's that smell? Yeah. Yeah, no thanks. Um, 
And my second one uh, would be that I find it a little confusing that Paul seems to reiterate the statement that the disciples were making to Yeshua, you know? And Yeshua didn't knock them down for it. So I guess, you know, I look at marriage and children as such a blessing. But this maybe has opened my eyes that there's some people that maybe getting married and having children is not, you know, necessarily their um, their path, you know? It's definitely mine. I love my kids. I love my wife. Um, I get so much fulfillment out of that whole process of being married and raising children right. and that whole thing, you know? I mean, I just love it. So, um, and I get so much, you know, confirmation of, of my relationship with God through it as well, you know? Um, but maybe some other people that's just not for them, you know? I know that uh, when I meet, like, men that are, like, 50 that have never been married, I'm always looking at them with, like, a raised eyebrow, you know? A little suspicious, like, what's, right. what's going on there, dude? Why haven't, you know, why haven't you uh, locked right. it up, you know? Right. But, you know, again, this seems like the Lord is saying that uh, some... You know, and he calls them eunuchs. So apparently, the ones that are not going to get married need to be eunuchs, which I find interesting. You know, like those are your choices: get married or be a eunuch. Does that what, is that the way you interpret that? Well, I mean, you know, I'll tell you what. Um, no matter what organization there is, I mean, you think about the Catholic priests. If you're not called to celibacy, man, get out. Don't don't be a pedophile. Well, and that's. I'm just saying that if they are called you know, to not marry, then they should be eunuchs, right? Isn't that the idea here? Well, I don't think you want to make yourself a eunuch. Well, that's what it Ma- says. It says maybe some may- of them have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. But sake. I think singleness can can fall in any category, especially for a woman. Yeah, but women don't. You know, women are called to singleness, or yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, these are the thoughts of life. You know, right? I'm glad that I don't have to ponder them too difficult because too hard because I've already gotten married and have children. So praise God. So why don't you pray us out? All right, Father, we just thank you for this incredible portion of scripture uh, about divorce. And Father, we know that there's only one unpardonable sin. It's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So we can't take this out of context. We know that a bill of divorce was given to the children of Israel in Jeremiah 3.8. Uh, and so we know that uh, Yeshua came to uh, suffer, die, and be buried and rise again. And that reinstituted the marriage covenant back again. So we are betrothed. We are betrothed to Yeshua right now, awaiting the consummation of this marriage and the celebration of it. So, Father, we thank you for all those that are listening. That if they're divorced or they were divorced, that there's a, a new chapter. A, Amen. There's hope and there's grace and God's mercy. And that uh, a lot of times the second time is better than the first. And, Father, we know that we can marry the wrong person, but the institution of marriage is still holy and sacred. But, Father, we know that we could marry the wrong person. But, like I said, uh, the institution of marriage is very holy. So we thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you for this incredible portion of Scripture. And we just uh, thank you for it. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, You know, the second time is better than the first with Yeshua, right? I mean, I would venture to say that I'm so thankful for what he's done for me. And the fact that we are betrothed to him and that we have an eternal salvation. That's right. You know, I mean, what an, uh, like, talk about a good gift, you know, a good prize for getting married. So, well, if you guys have any comments, go ahead and leave them. I'm sure there's lots of thoughts on this subject. Um, You know, I uh, take no responsibility for 
anything that was said here on this podcast today. There's hope. There's hope. Amen. Don't take anything out of context. Read it out for yourself. And even in that hope belongs to the Lord, and I can't take responsibility for that either. So um, if you want to reach out, uh, like I said, make some comments, uh, or you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net. Bless you guys. Have a great week. 